clubhouse. This is Lauren. This is Steph. And today we're covering episode six, Little Fires Everywhere, The Uncanny. So this episode had many anticipated flashbacks, finally. Yes, finally. And it answers some of our big questions from the character's past, which I have was deeply awaiting. And we, we even talked about how we, we were kind of hoping for a flashback. I really enjoyed that this episode was entirely a flashback. And we got to see the history behind Mia and sort of how she got to where she is and Elena as well. And I, I really enjoyed seeing all that. Same, same. I was happy to confirm, you know, our suspicions that Mia had swiped Pearl yeah. against her agreement we thought was to be a surrogate. And that was true. Mm-hmm. Um, but this also came with new questions for me. For example, Mia is the biological mother, right? Yeah. If she's the biological mother, what actual legal ramifications can occur in that case? The way that this surrogacy was set up was really bizarre to me. This didn't seem illegal binding in any way. Like, so was it uncanny? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, this, I just thought this was completely inappropriate, like so bizarre. What is happening in terms of the way that she became a surrogate? Like you approach some woman on the train, you're like stalking her, and then you ask her to be your baby mama. Like so weird. It didn't seem like there was any legal binding. They agreed to some amount of money, $12,000. He just said, whatever you want, whatever you need, we will provide. But it didn't look like they definitely weren't going through an agency. They weren't, you know. Yeah, I, w- I wondered why were they doing it under the table like that? I don't know. Were they trying to save money or it looks like if they wanted to do this and they didn't want somebody to screw them over like she yeah. obviously did, that they would have gone about this more professionally. professionally. Yeah, yes. not just find a lady on the street <laughs> that looks like she might need a few extra bucks and <laughs> that ask her. That was weird to me too. Well, and then I thought it was weird that he was like, we've been looking for someone who looks like my wife. Like, what? And was he riding that? subway just to look for somebody that might you know i think he just happened upon her like that was his evening commute or whatever just saw her frequently because he was always staring at her yeah it was it definitely scared her too she she pulled that mace out on him and she was ready to spray him but man i felt really bad for him and for Mm -hmm. maddie as well i'm glad we got to know them a little bit because it does make us feel empathy for the loss that they had in Pearl. Yeah. I think that sort of the, maybe the reason it wasn't done through an agency or, or professionally is I, I did a little bit of Googling and it just didn't seem like surrogacy was that common in 19. What did, I didn't catch the year. It was like 80. Well, I know Pearl was born in like early 80s. Yeah. So it looks like that wasn't really something that was done a lot. And so maybe they just decided to take that on themselves. But you would think that they would want some sort of written agreement or a contract or I don't know. It seems very risky to find a random lady on a subway and ask her to have your baby. And so in that, if it is risky and if you do get screwed over by it, my question is like, okay, do you just call it a, we were taking a big risk here by putting our baby in the belly of somebody else and then there are no protections to them as, you know, if she runs off with your baby? I mean, really, technically, any parent could run off with a baby. What are the what are the parents' rights if if it's like a custody battle or something? Right. I mean, it's it's 
her egg and his sperm. So it's it is me as baby. So, so I don't feel like they have any dads do have rights though. Yeah. So maybe it could end up being a custody battle, but not a completely a situation where Mia gets Pearl completely taken away. I don't know. Originally, before I saw this episode, I kind of thought that the baby, I don't know why I thought this, but I would have thought that Mia was not her biological mom. Right. But seeing how this went down, I realized that Mia was the biological mom. How creeped out were you by the turkey baster? I mean, I was like, is this really happening? I just, that is so bizarre. It it gave me sort of a Handmaid's Tale moment of like, ew, this is so weird. They like yeah, show well, her in their master bedroom and she like brings out a turkey baster. I'm like, what is happening? Like, that's not how this works. Well, I think it also showed us a big part of Mia's innocency. Yeah. Because... You know, she's a virgin. She's getting ready to impregnate herself. This is crazy. And yet she's a virgin. I'm sorry, but should that lady have been like, um, okay, maybe this is not a good idea. <laughs> and she's like, here, I'll help you. I'm like, what is happening? Well, I, I'm surprised you think she should have said "Is that this is not a good idea. I mean, Come literally, she just got somebody to agree to do what she thought would never be possible. Ugh. The impossible was happening. She was not going to back down on that. Oh, no. It's just all kinds of messed up. It really did remind me of like the Handmaid's Tale, like the husband in the other bathroom and like she brings out the turkey baster and I'm like, and Mia's like, I'm a virgin. I'm like, oh no, this is bad. It did work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and that's another thing. It might not have even worked, right? I mean, there's a chance. I'm pretty skeptical that it would actually work in real life, but I guess yeah, that's not how that worked for me at the doctor's office. It's <laughs> not a turkey baster. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's a little bit more scientific than that. Yeah, they have no clue of knowing like how successful she'll be, right, or any of this. So weird. Another question I had was at the end of the episode when Mia runs off. Do Joe and Maddie end up knowing that their baby didn't? actually die she writes them a letter and tells them that she had a miscarriage yeah but really she's taken out of off she's getting out of town and i'm wondering do they know they have to i mean come on they have to at least be suspicious because she was full basically looking full term so i'm sure that they were like what it would definitely be unlikely yeah for something to go wrong um, though that it does happen. It does happen. But I would think, too, at that stage, like they've been prepping for a baby for eight months or however long it's been, that you would need closure and sort of just to f- see her and talk to her and say, like, what happened? And Well, and that's what they were saying, that, like, whenever she called to talk to Pauline, mm-hmm. but Anita answered the phone, Anita said something about, like, They've been calling for you. Yeah. That makes sense to me that they would be trying to talk to her, find her, figure out what's going on. Completely agree. I mean, even if it was just like, how are you doing? Or, you know, she might be in some kind of pain. She might be recovering from it. She probably had to birth the baby either way. Mm, Yeah. I mean, she's pretty much full term. So So even if they were just trying to get a hold of her in a compassionate way. Right. So I think it makes sense that Mia would still feel like she needs to be on the run because obviously they would be looking for her, I would think. And it would always be like that question in their mind of like, is our baby alive or not? I think that's why she's having those like dreams or flashbacks of seeing that man on the subway all the times because 
I mean, it makes sense that they would look for her, always wonder, or... Just like at the very beginning, whenever he was watching her, she still Mm -hmm. feels like he might be watching her. Like, she's never going to get away from the gaze of him watching her. That fear is always going to be with her. She'll never be able to escape that fear, I guess, unless she came clean. But it doesn't seem like, at that point, that's something you would do. Because I also started to think that Pearl doesn't know that like Warren is not her last name and she doesn't know that I mean you know we've we've talked about how Pearl doesn't know her history she doesn't know her dad her grandparents things like that but I think then that Pearl if she found out the truth she would have a lot of questions and then possibly go looking for her dad it would definitely be a little fire yeah it would be one of the little fires everywhere finding that out would be very shocking oh yeah so i loved in this episode that we get to meet warren mia's brother and i loved loved it their sibling bond despite the fact that they've got this family dynamic that is kind of unbalanced they seem to really really adore warren her parents Mm -hmm. Seem to really, you know, think a lot about his football career and they are not supportive of her wanting to be an artist and go Mm -hmm. to art school in New York City. But he is. And he's sweet to her. Yes. In fact, like after that family prayer where they're like, Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, she's willingly (laughs) and willfully pursuing a fine arts degree. (laughs) And there there have been a rising 1800 homicides and that big apple of sin. Yeah, that was funny. (laughs) The apple of sin. Like, they don't have any support for Mia. But no. then they're like, but if it is your will, let Warren be a professional football player. That's so funny. <laughs> Were you surprised to see that she came from, like, a religious family? Not really. I don't, really? I don't think I was surprised that she came from a religious family. But I guess she doesn't seem religious, so maybe. It surprised me a little bit that she had such a conservative upbringing and going into college, like virgin and like had never, yeah, she was seemed very wholesome and pure. And I guess that did surprise me. Yeah. Like, and I like that they let us see that in her, mm-hmm. that, that she has changed a lot as a character over time. I enjoyed seeing her brother, like come visit her in New York. That was such a sweet yes, moment, every- but I liked how he was. Sweet to her, supportive of her, but also sort of calling her out and saying, like, what, what's happening with you? Like, what's going on? This is not who you are. And also saying when he meets um, Pauline, saying, like, she doesn't know you like I do, you know? Yeah, I definitely liked how he was protective of her. And he kind of was like, why, you know, this baby, this would be my niece or nephew. Yeah. And you're just going to give the baby away. Like, do you realize how crazy this is? He was very passionate about the baby. Yeah, and I liked how he was like, okay, well, at least before you give her away, make sure you go play her some Marvin Gaye. Like, (laughs) or her uncle. She had that Marvin Gaye cassette tape uh, in her like memory box that she in the last episode or the one before. I remembered that, and a lot of the little pieces of things we see, we see why they existed, like the Statue of Liberty that hangs from her car Mm -hmm. mirror, and even her Chevette. Yeah, (laughs) talking about the Chevette. it looked like he gave her the Chevette, right? Well, I don't or, know. No, I just assumed because he passed away that she took it. 
Oh, that that was his car that he drove mm-hmm. to New York City. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And I didn't I didn't get that in this in this story. I was like, is he giving her the car? Like whenever they were in New York City. Yeah. But no, that wouldn't make sense that a brother would like, hey, sis, I'm gonna give like I got you a new car. <laughs> like, and so I did think that was odd. But now that makes sense why she had the Chevette and yeah. why 20 years later she's still driving, still driving it because it. it's her brother. Like, yeah, it's her brother's car that. I thought yeah. he passed away in a car accident. Did, did we ever find out what happened in the past episodes? I thought that that's, or maybe that's my imagination, but. That is not your imagination. That okay. is like something that I vaguely remember, but not clearly and had a question about. Because then I was confused about seeing the car. Yeah. Okay. I would well, have they... assumed it was his car in the accident, but. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he was with a friend. We we mm-hmm. don't get a lot of details about that, but we do know he passed away unexpectedly and she got a call in the morning, woken up and to find out that he, you know, she got it. She had to rush home mm-hmm. for his funeral that then her mother <laughs> didn't know that she was pregnant yeah. and she shows up and her mom is like, I love you, but I don't want the t- attention to be on you today. And your pregnancy will definitely cause attention to be on you and not on Warren. And we're mm-hmm. we're going there to to mourn Warren. And Mia's like, so you don't even want me to go to my own brother's funeral? I thought that was cold. That was awful. That was pretty mean. But I think she said something. The mom, her mom, said something very important there. She said, "You can find a way to honor your honor him in your own way." So I think that since Warren wasn't so supportive of her giving the baby to the family and he's saying like, this is your kid and this is my niece. Like he's convinced it's a girl too. Like he already knows. And um, he says something about how she could be the thing that changes the world. Yes. You've always wanted to create something that changes the world. Maybe it would be her. Yeah. Yes. I I didn't ever connect that, but I think that's a really great thought. And I also thought about how she honors him by making her car like his shrine, like with the Statue of Liberty and then continuing to drive it. I mean, until forever. (laughs) So, but then the mom tells her to honor him in her own way. So I think that's really what propelled her. Like, I think he was already in her head a little bit about like, hey, no, this is your kid and my niece and what are you doing? Yeah. But then when he passed away and the mom said, you need to honor him in your own way. I think that's really what propelled her to keep the baby and sort of live this different lifestyle of like for Pearl. It could be that. And also, I think that she found a lot of comfort in her rubbing her belly when she was mourning his loss, that Pearl was there with her through that. That increased her desire to not part with the baby, just having the baby right there with her when she was going through so much. I don't know how often a surrogate is the egg donor, but that has got to be like a pretty hard thing to walk through just in general. Donating eggs? No, like carrying someone else's baby. Okay, yeah, I would think. But when it is your child and then you are are agreed to give the baby to them, like that's got to be even... I don't know. Like just, I just can't really wrap my head around those emotions. Like that seems pretty impossible. Yeah. I actually, I have a Facebook friend that I'm not like super close with more of an acquaintance. Mm-hmm. And she actually just posted this week, which it was actually really ironic because I'm dealing with all this surrogate stuff well, watching this episode. It had to be since I watched this two days ago and we're talking about it. So mm-hmm. it had to be within the last day and a half or so. She said like, 
you know, happy third birthday to my surrogate child or whatever. And she apparently, she has two kids of her own. I didn't know her when she did this three years ago. My kids go to school with her kids. So she's like a newer friend. But I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, and I, I have no idea if, you know, the details on that, if she's the biological or, but the, the pictures on her post showed her in the hospital bed like holding the baby and then like the biological parents like around her and I mean what a selfless thing to do she already has her older kids um, of her own and my guess is that pregnancy went easy and well for her and she Mm -hmm. thought this was like a way that and she must have liked being pregnant and this is a way she could help somebody out I mean yeah that's amazing perhaps to her actually it's funny like before I ever had kids I always thought I would do that for somebody. Like if I, you know, if I could do that, that would be like an awesome way to help somebody. I had thought that, but then my pregnancies, (laughs) I could hardly do it for myself. Right. (laughs) They were so bad. I, I had what Princess Kate had, the (laughs) hyperemesis where you just Mm -hmm. can't keep anything down for like the whole time. That's terrible. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing thing. I can't really imagine those what those emotions have to be like but I think now sort of common practice is for a surrogate to have already had their own children well it would make sense because you would know if they could carry well and if it was a safe a safe bet that things were going to go okay for the paying customers (laughs) (laughs) that's a pretty amazing gift for anyone who can do it but I just can't really wrap my head around it. But I think the fact that this is Mia's child is just a huge deal. What about the inappropriate relationships going on in this episode? We had a few, yes. Yeah, we did. I want to talk about Pauline, the art teacher, Mm -hmm. and then Mia. I thought that it was kind of strange that her college professor is kind of hitting on her and getting her into this relationship. And I was definitely wondering if she felt pressure to consent due to all these opportunities in the galleries that she was given, or if she was equally infatuated with the professor. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed more driven by the professor. Like you feel like she really liked Pauline? No, I think that Pauline really liked Mia. It seemed like she was yes. the one reaching for Mia's hand. She was the one. She definitely like, was. Yeah. But, okay, let's turn this around. What if this professor had been a male professor? It, it would seem kind of inappropriate for a yeah. student to be dating a teacher. Somebody in a position of authority mm-hmm. to another, it, it just, I know that they're both adults. They can do what they want, right? It seems like at this point, though, Mia is so innocent. Yes. In terms of, you know, she's just moved away from home, from her religious parents and her, like, wholesome up, upbringing, and she's moved to New York City, and she's kind of on her own, and then this professor just sort of takes her under her wing and is mentoring her and, and telling her all these wonderful things about how great she is. Bringing could, her to these really cool galleries, yeah. really awesome parties, then also introducing her, like, slipping her some cocaine and randomly. <laughs> right. And then, like, <laughs> like okay. It's like, Okay, and then it's like one night, it's like, okay, here's here's drugs. Okay, here's, you know, now you're a lesbian. It's like yeah. a lot happened in that night, right? Yeah. So. I feel like that is, yeah, so Mia was maybe directed into that. But her brother brings it up too, and he just says, you know, like, what's going on with that? 
so then she questions the professor and Pauline and says like, what are we? So I don't know. I think that sort of propelled it a little bit too, just her bringing it up and bringing it to light. But I don't know. I did sort of feel that all of her innocence sort of like went away very quickly with the ba- you know, someone else's baby inside of her and the drugs and the yes, you know, professor. For sure. It was like, like wow. it was not gradual, right? This just yeah. boom. Yeah. And, I mean, later on in other flashbacks, we've seen her with men before. Well, I think this professor sort of guiding her in her art too, and this also being sort of her first relationship. You know, you can tell she still holds Pauline in that sort of place of respect and like has her up on a pedestal. You know, admiration for sure. Exactly, admiration is the word. All these years later, she's still thinking about her and and look, you know, has her photography and things like that. She has her book of her work and the in her bedroom, and so I think that's a relationship that she'll always cherish. And like, I think she sees it in a positive light. Well, for sure. And what did you think about the assignment to photograph something about yourself that is terrifying, repulsive, and uncanny? (laughs) I'm thinking, okay, what do you even say? (laughs) Like photograph your most Uh, embarrassing moment. (laughs) Like, (laughs) What are you most ashamed of? Take a picture of it and let's hang it on the wall. (laughs) Have you ever taken uh, a lot of art classes in college or anything like that? I have taken art classes, but okay. I consider myself an artist, so I like yes. the art classes, but what were you going to say about them? Well, I, all of my electives in college were art classes. Okay. Just, I secretly wanted to be an art major. I just don't have the natural talent to be an art major. So I am a communication major, but I just, it sounds very familiar, familiar to me for to be in an art class and a photography class or a painting class and for them to say something so vague as to paint something terrifying about yourself. It's like, what does that (laughs) even mean? I just feel like that is art class. Like they're always like, let's talk about something that, and and you're just like, what? I thought it was kind of funny. It's very, very art professor thing for her to say. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just thinking like, what would I show? Like, I have no idea. I don't know. Like, I need to shave my armpits. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know. I don't even understand what she did end up photographing for her project. It was kind of unclear. Well, I saw a picture of her in like what looked like a ballet leotard, yeah. right? Like very mm-hmm. poised. And then like a progression of one that, so this is where the flame comes in. Remember, she put a flame to the picture mm-hmm. and that impressed her technique impressed Pauline and that's what got Pauline to be like oh you need to come to this gallery yeah this is incredible and creative and uh, just a new technique they they bring fire to every episode Mm -hmm. and I think that's how they did it this time didn't see it uh, any other way it's just funny like yep that's an art professor thing to say like what is that (laughs) how do I even complete this project I would be up all all hours of the night trying to finish all of my art projects and like, well, I just don't even understand what I'm supposed to be doing right now. But the cool thing about art class, like, oh gosh, it was in high school. I was taking an art class and I was working really hard on an assignment and I didn't get it done in time. Like it was like the grading period was over, mm-hmm. but my project wasn't done, but I didn't want to just destroy it and like rush through it. Like I was actually working really hard on it. And she just gave me a, I don't know what letter, a different, a different grade letter that was like, 
you like a, or a, like a K or something. <laughs> like I don't remember what it, it was like unfinished or something. Oh, yeah. Or <laughs> I don't even know. It's a P. Like, what other letter? It was like wow. Incomplete. <laughs> I maybe so. I don't know. It was not a bad. It didn't go against my GPA. Otherwise, I would have gotten an A or whatever, or A or B, C, yeah. D. But this was just a different letter that like somehow did not affect my GPA, and I did not know they had the authority to do that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I always feel like, too, you would spend all these hours and hours on your art project and bring it in on the due date. And you have to give this presentation in front of the class. And she'd be like, OK, great job, everybody. Now we're going to take it and destroy it and rebuild it. And you're like, no. Just, like, what are you talking about? It's like they always had some other like twist to it. I'm like, no, guys, like you're making this so hard. But anyways. I would have loved, I, I took several photography classes and I loved them all. So that's cool. I didn't yeah. know that about you. Yeah. I love that. You had to develop them in the dark room, like with the film and the canister, like she did in wow. the episode. And you had to like develop your picture on the paper and put it in the chemicals and hang it to dry and all that stuff. I did not know fun. that about you. Didn't know the art major or that you wanted to be an art major. I did. Secretly. What did you want to do with being an art major? Because that's why. Like, I would have been an art major for fun, but, like, I was like, what am I going to do with that? Exactly. Why I wasn't. <laughs> because I didn't want to be an art teacher. And I, like I said, I don't have the, like, raw natural talent to actually be an artist. I just love being creative and I love doing art. So that was sort of my happy medium was, like, a communication major with a focus, like, in art in advertising, which is a creative thing. Yeah. And then all of my electives were art painting and drawing and sketching and, yeah I loved it but maybe I should have been an art teacher I don't know I just actually can't draw so hey you're a teacher right now quarantine homeschool mom quarantine get on it kindergarten teacher now look in the highlights that. magazines they've got some great inspiration a new life for me I'm a teacher yep so another inappropriate relationship that we see is Elena calling up Jamie. Oh, yeah. She's calling up the ex-boyfriend. Yep. Okay. Well, first of all, before she gets to this, we just have to talk about this whole unraveling. Yes. So the way that they showed the baby crying and the way they filmed that and mm -hmm. the way you heard the baby crying for mm -hmm. way too long as a viewer really made you understand her level of losing it. Yeah. Because I wanted the baby to hush. Yes. I'm watching it for enjoyment. And the baby won't stop crying for, I, I want to say like. A long ten, time. Is it like 10, 10 real seconds maybe? It's a long time. Even my son uh, was like, what is that? <laughs> like, would you turn that off? I know. I was, I was like, watching it with happened? headphones. So thank goodness. Yeah. It was definitely grating. I mean, have you been there? Of course. I've yes. been like, there. Yes. I've the had my moment. crying. And. She's crying and I have been there. Like the baby's crying and you're just crying. Like what is happening? I have not thrown plates though. No, I have not I broken not all that. my dishes because I had too many things going on. With I my have kids. put the baby in the crib and walked outside. Like Okay. However, I do have to say having two five-year-olds and an eight-year-old, I have frustrations that are not people crying, but like make me want to lose my mind yes. on it, especially during this quarantine time. Okay. First of all, our toilet flusher, the handle, the handle? Uh -huh. it's like a screw on handle. <laughs> it's been missing for three days. <laughs> and, <laughs> and 
It's the it's the bathroom like downstairs, like the guest bathroom, like right next to the living room. Uh-huh. Nobody knows who it is. Yeah, we're blaming or- every uh, we're blaming everything on this imaginary guy named Leroy right now. <laughs> Just so we are not mad at each other all the time. We're like, Leroy! <laughs> like, anytime oh you walk into, like, a frustrating, aggravating situation, there's the dipshit that did that was definitely Leroy. <laughs> so, oh anyway. Gosh. That, and I walked into a straw, like one of those bendy straws, mm-hmm. put in the mouthwash. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> drinking mouthwash. <laughs> I don't know. It was just the mouthwash was sitting there open. Bendy straw, like somebody was having a cocktail. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, does everybody did have you, a pulse in here? <laughs> like, did you go around like smelling their breath? Like, smelling their breath? <laughs> no, this, at this point, I'm just like, okay, I want to make sure nobody's like passed out on the floor. Right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. There's definitely times of you just have to walk away. Like, oh my yes. gosh. But I definitely felt elena's frustration i mean this poor woman has three little babies and one of which will not stop crying and she doesn't want to be a stay-at-home mom she wants to be working mom like she wants to be focusing on her career she didn't want to have another baby and that happened and actually when she was in the doctor's office talking about okay i'm ready to get on birth control and tell me about this and this and maybe this tubal mm-hmm. <laughs> like procedure to make sure that i don't have any more babies he's like uh you're pregnant <laughs> you can't oh my gosh you can't do that and she was like what i just had a baby i can't be yeah. having another baby i would have cried too which we have way too many friends that like that that happened. happens yeah yes i know it seems like, especially in the world of multiples, right, where people have twins, mm-hmm. and a lot of times and we know a people surprise baby after that. <laughs> yeah, well, no. Sometimes the twins are the surprise pregnancy, and then there's two of them, <laughs> yeah. and then they're like your fourth pregnancy, and then you got five kids out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, we were trying to have another baby, but I felt that it was a little too soon. But since it had taken so long the first time, we thought, oh, it's going to take a long time the second time. And it did not take a long time. And then there were two. So I felt You've had this happen. Yeah. I mean, it was (laughs) planned, but it was not planned. Like, it was supposed to take longer. (laughs) And there was supposed to only be one. So that, like, sort of moment of, like, oh, my gosh. Like, she has a little baby and she's already pregnant again. That's pretty – that's a lot. And I mean, um, I definitely can relate to not being ready to be pregnant. mm -hmm. Um, And that was with a same situation where I had a baby already. And I remember thinking, I think I might be pregnant and not even wanting to take the test until I knew for sure that if it said positive, I was going to have like, I was going to be happy about it. Like, so I like put off taking the test. And then one day, finally, just randomly, I put him in the high chair and I'm like, this is lunch. I've already like gone and worked out. We left the house. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take this test. Mm -hmm. And I went and took the test and even just put it to the side and then washed my hands, went and got him lunch and then came back. I wasn't even anxious that it was going to say yes. I just took it just to know like for sure that I wasn't pregnant. I just had to get it out of my head. Like I I quit thinking I'm pregnant. Yeah. And it was like, uh... Oh my gosh. And it was one of those where you see the faint line, but it's not a definitive line. Oh, it was way it? too early. Well, because it was way too early. Yeah. But since it ended up being twins, that's why it even read positive at all that early. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. I can relate in being like, I'm not he was so this. little. He was in a high chair. Like yeah. uh, he was, he, I looked at him and thought like, you can't be a big sibling. Like you can't be an older brother. Like you're the baby. Like yeah. I just remember like thinking of it in his role mm-hmm. and how that was just going to change everything. And actually um, I got to tell you one more thing on this before we move back. Mm-hmm. So that night when I told my husband I was pregnant, I took a picture of him and my son. I was like, smile. And I was like, while I was taking the picture, I was like, I'm pregnant. And then like, he was like, I have the picture of him being like, uh, uh, like happy surprise. Like what? And then, so then like, I don't know how he's going to react because I know how I've, my inner turmoil has been. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of start crying. And he was like, why are you crying? This is great. And as a joke, I did not know at the time, I said, because it's twins, like just <laughs> just to like freak him out for a minute. And he totally was like, no way, you're kidding me, right? Like, <laughs> because I actually had been to Hudson, like my son's doctor's office. So he thought maybe I would really know. Oh, that's funny. Very funny that later we find out it was twins. But He's like, what? You but yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, and too, like, I feel bad for Elena in this moment too, because she is disappointed and she's like trying to talk to her mom about it. And her mom's like, well, guess now you got to quit your job. And you know, like, oh, you're going to have to have another baby. And she's like, well, do I have a choice? And she's like, nope, people like us don't have a choice. Like you have childcare and you have money and like, like, this is your life now. Yes. And then when she tells Bill, he's excited about it. And he's like, well, well, just quit your job. Like, they don't care. Like, she cares about her job. She cares that she wanted to go back to work. She's already upset somebody else got the promotion while she was on maternity leave. I just felt bad for her in that moment of she wanted something different. You know, she wanted to go back to work. And her mom and Bill are both just like, oh, great. This is awesome. Now you're just going to be. He says uh, four is not that different than three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. I think that was her unraveling moment. Four is very different than three. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, and of course, he's going to leave and go to work every day. It's not, yeah. it's not really going to be his problem how hard it is, really. Mm-hmm. So whenever she has this complete breakdown, she ends up leaving and saying she's going to go buy a pacifier. But then she doesn't even end up coming home till like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, she um, kind of breaks down. And I think, so she's in the store and all of a sudden that song comes on. And I didn't, I didn't <gasps> confirm this, but I think the song that was playing, like the elevator music or whatever, was one of the songs she, w- like in Paris, had been like partying to with oh, okay. Jamie. Jamie. And I think that's because that's when she closes her eyes and she's just like, kind of wondering what was happening i didn't catch that and so in that moment when she like closed her eyes and she was mouthing something i was like what is happening like i didn't catch it yeah you know there's nothing like shopping for pacifiers to feel like (laughs) i'm in a certain special place in my life right it's like because the baby will not stop crying like you have to go to the store right now for a pacifier absolutely desperate times so anyway Um, she ends up using the payphone Calling up Jamie, he ends up driving six hours, which, did he say six hours or three hours? Or he said six. How would that have even worked time-wise? I don't know. And then they end up hanging out at a bar and dancing, and then they ended up in a hotel 
motel or whatever. Yeah. And so then we find out a big question I've had, which, or we've had. Yeah, what happened? Why did he go cold on her in New York whenever mm-hmm. everything seemed romantic in New York? And then all of a sudden it was like him telling her off. Yeah. And it total, total shift. So we realized why. And it was because she had accused him of trying to take advantage of her in a weak moment. Like when she was the one that called him Mm -hmm. and then she seemed like she was all about everything that was happening. I think she got ashamed of herself is what happened. And she projected that onto him. Mm -hmm. I think if she hadn't been lactating (laughs) and had to leave the room and like run to the bathroom and like, there's nothing like lactating to, you know. Yeah, kill the moon. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that she realized, like, what am I doing? Like, right. I'm like, I am a mother. I am a wife. Yeah. Where am I? Who am I? With? What in the world? And then she just blames him on it. Instead yeah. of just being like, she totally could have handled that in a compassionate way and been like. He said he was sort of pleading with her. I still love you. Like I wanted, I want you. Like I want. I wonder what would have happened if he would have stayed in Paris. And she's like, "You took advantage of me." So she definitely turns on him. And it sounds too like she's trying to convince herself a little bit because she is like yelling at him. She's like, "I like my life." Yes. It's like I think she's just trying to. She definitely like doesn't she, want to admit that she <laughs> might have made what was the wrong decision for her or that she might have regrets about the decision that she made. And also, you realize her disapproving mother has a lot to do with why she might have made that decision because she's mm-hmm. used to her mom telling her all the time, well, this is how we do things and, you know, this is how you should do it. And she's never, ever stopped for a moment to really think for herself, okay, mm-hmm. what do I want? Mm-hmm. No, even if that's different from what her mother wants. So I thought that was interesting that they answered that as to mm-hmm. why he was kind of cold to her. But I still feel like Elena has some deep, dark secret that is not yet revealed to us yet, right? Because in the previous episodes, when she's been secretive to Linda about knowing Mia was involved in Mirabelle's situation, why? I still don't have all the all the pieces there. I thought it was interesting, too, that we see her in a little bit of a position similar to what BB was in, in terms of just that desperate, like, I mean, it's a different situation, but that same feeling of like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, the baby's still crying and I'm it's not working. And I like how we see some of these parallels in the characters and almost have this like thought in the back of my head that like, had Elena ever had a conversation with BB instead of like attacking her and telling her what to do, like she could have found some common ground there. Like, oh yeah, I've been there. Like, haven't we all? Like, I don't know. It's not a really like huge part of the plot line, but I just thought that that was kind of interesting. Absolutely. Desperation is yeah, like, a... I see it all over this. Like even yeah. Mia accepting to be a surrogate at all was out of desperation of wanting to go to art school. Yeah. And Joe and Maddie even accepting Mia as their surrogate. Is just out of desperation of wanting a child so bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of that going around in yeah. the, in this. And you know, um, last week I mentioned I thought it was so weird how Bill got um, super weird about Elena going to New York. Yes. And so when Elena comes back home in this episode, and she's like, "Oh, I just needed it. I needed a minute, and I got the pacifier." <laughs> it did kind of make me laugh. Like as soon as. She walked in and was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Sorry. Here I am. Then 
Izzy started crying. <laughs> like, of course, the, the baby is like asleep. And as soon as mom comes home, mm-hmm. that I feel like that happened to me all the time. I'd, I'd oh, leave yeah. for like two hours and I'd feel calm and I'd walk back in the door and they'd all start crying. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, it's because you only left when they were napping probably, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> that was the only time you're like, I've got 45 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, it's like, oh, of course the baby's crying. But then Bill sees Jamie's number on the back of the receipt for the pacifier. Yes. I don't know that. I guess we'll see if he ever confronts her on it, but I would guess maybe not. And so then in last week's episode, when she went to New York, that's why he got so worked up. He's like, oh. I'm, I know yep. what happened last time you went there. Yeah, we know he's not completely in the dark, yeah. um, that she's at least touched base with him at some point. However, she didn't have a cell phone back mm-hmm. in this, you know, in, well, in the and 80s, so it's 80s. not like, or even in this episode, like he didn't even know where she was. He just right. had to wonder, like, is she dead on the side of the road? He was more kind of worried. And then when she came yes. home, instead of being like super angry, it's it's mixed with like, oh my gosh, like you you're okay, first of all. His reaction seemed like he wasn't angry enough at first to me, but I'm forgetting, like, he didn't have any way of contact with her since he saw her completely break dishes everywhere and, like, leave. Who knows if she went and jumped off a bridge, you know? (laughs) Right. So. Yeah, so he's relieved to see her, and he had called Elena, and Elena was there, and I'm sorry, not Elena, Linda. He had called Linda, and Linda was there. Yes. He didn't have any context to be angry or upset. He was just worried. But yeah, so the second time she went to New York, he had a little bit more suspicion. And now well, I, I guess why. he knows that Jamie lives in New York. And so that does explain why he would have been like calling her hotel mm-hmm. room kind of nonstop. Yeah. So how do we feel that this story sort of wrapped up for Elena in this episode? Because it seemed to me a little bit like she sort of made up her mind that this was, she seemed almost happy at the end. Did you catch on any of that? It's like she had this sort of run in with Jamie and she's like telling him I like my life and this. So it seemed like sort of she resolved herself to say, okay, this is what it is. And I'm going to live this life I chose. And I don't know, she was rocking the baby and like, it just seemed like she sort of recovered and decided to be happy or what? I mean, I'm kind of, I wasn't really sure sort of where she left off in this episode. I agree. I think she's just choosing that if this is her life, she's going to make the best of it. And Mm -hmm. this is what she chose and this is where she is and this is where she needs to be. You know, there's no going back on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's sort of the feeling we got from the last scene we saw with her. So. Yeah. I definitely don't think that she wants to be having an affair and she doesn't want to feel shame about anything like that. So she is wanting to separate herself from that and focus on her family. And I think that's the moment that she chose to do that. I would agree. And I think part of that could be mixed with her mom's advice of people like us just don't do that kind of stuff. She's not the type of person that's going to leave her husband to go off and move across the country to be with the love of her life. Even Mm -hmm. if he's the one that gives her butterflies and the experiences that she wants, she feels a responsibility to what she has chosen and who she has committed to. And... She's going to make the best of that. I completely agree. So I want to circle back to Mia and discuss where she ended up at the end of this episode. Because we talked about her deciding to write the family, tell her that she lost the baby. So we sort of see where she goes from there. She gets in her brother's car and drives off. So it looks like she goes all the way across the country to Arizona. Or does she go into California? Couldn't tell. Well, 
I thought that I saw her drive through St. Louis. I saw the arches. Mm -hmm. And then I saw what I thought was LA at USC. I saw USC. I'm thinking University of Southern California. And palm trees. I saw palm trees. And palm trees and a coastline. So I was thinking California. So was I. So, but that's when she checks in on Pauline and finds out that Pauline passed away from cancer. Yeah, that's a lot Um, in this short period of time. She just found out about her brother and now her girlfriend is gone. That's just a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, she says, I don't know where I'm going to end up to Anita, but I'm kind of wondering what she's thinking. It's like, I just don't know because she didn't. So she didn't finish art school. So we're like, what's the plan here? I just kind of. Yeah, I definitely was like, did she, did she ditch school altogether just because Warren died? Or yeah. I, I had that same question. I'm like, what? Because she said, I'm, well, I'm going to stay back here. But I didn't know why. But anyway, I do like that in this scene, we find out why Anita kind of knows so much about her. Yes. Because I was uh, like, okay, how's Anita going to know? Like, how's um, the gallery owner or manager know all this about her? But she does. Yes. Anita was the one that ended up telling her. Mm-hmm. that Pauline had died of ovarian cancer and then that Pauline had this photo that she thought Mia would want and she was going to, you know, once she gets settled, let her know where she is because she was going to get it to her yeah. in case she wanted to sell it at some point. And then we later find out that the picture mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the pregnant picture in the bathtub so- and we realized why she was so attached to it. Yeah. Because remember, she was really crying when it was time to sell that. Mm-hmm. And now we know it was meaningful to her because Pauline had wanted her to have it. And she found out, you know, after she died that in Pauline's last wishes that she have this photo in case she needs to sell it. Yeah. You know? So it seems now like sort of Anita is the one who's going to be there for me or, or someone that knows Mia enough, knows everything that she's now someone that Mia could go to or talk to, but she sort of already figures it out. She says, well, I assumed you kept the baby and um, you know, the parents, the Ryans have been calling here wanting to talk to you. So that's how, I mean, Anita just knows she didn't really have to tell her. Yeah. I guess Anita would have only known that through Pauline though. So maybe Pauline sensed that happening Yeah, or maybe because the Ryans had called. Yeah. And said like, oh, we lost the baby and she had a miscarriage and we're looking for her, you know. She's not coming back. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe that's when Anita put two and two together and been like, she didn't have a miscarriage. Right. So I'm definitely confused as to what Mia's plan is here and how she's going to provide for the baby and what she's going to do. I mean, so I think this and then you see this this montage of them always driving to a different city and Pearl's getting a little bit older in each, in each clip. And so you just see that she's been on the move. She's been like traveling around just yes. her and her baby. I loved that. As they transitioned from young Mia yes. to the older Carrie Washington Mia, I just loved how they're playing that, that Meredith Brooks bitch song, yes. which is a 90s song. Yeah. And one of the only songs that I recognized in this one because it was flashback to like to the eighties. So well, it would have been seventies though. I don't know seventies well, music. Well, yeah. they well, switch they switch them out, and I thought I thought that was like a, such a great way to seamlessly do that. And also, all of the lyrics of the song, I think that song describes just about everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it, does. it was know. a good song, and it's actually so I did end up making the nineties playlist since we last. Oh. 
spoke and that song was already on it before I even saw this episode. So I was like, yes, I called it. Um, and then at the end of that montage, you see that they, um, arrive in Cleveland. So yep, they sort of put you, put us in the location that you're interested in learning more about. So. Ooh, yeah. I think maybe, maybe the next episode they're going to talk about Cleveland at all. Maybe we'll figure out sort of what happens next. I'm kind of wondering where we're going to go next because we still have to figure out how Elena handles this information that she learned about Mia and sort of what's next with that. Um, That's true. We got to know that and we got to know what Elena's hiding and we've got to know the Cleveland with Mia and BB connection. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we also need to know why Elena and Jamie, like, why is that even, like, that significant? Or was that just to show us a glimpse of what could have been with her and maybe Maybe. why she might, like, have a chip on her shoulder about something? I don't know. Or maybe it is that whole, like, you know, first love kind of always has that spot in your life, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just part of her history that they're showing us. I feel like if you parallel it to the history that they're showing us with Mia, Mm -hmm. I feel like it was not equally significant. Right. Unless it is. (laughs) And and we're just missing like a little like nugget of something that makes it much more valuable. That's true. So in the description of this episode, we will link to our 90s. Little Fires Everywhere playlist. Awesome. I can't wait to download it. It's awesome. I loved making it. That's so fun. So I'm definitely excited for our next episode. Well, I can't wait to watch. So join us next time um, and follow Pod Clubhouse on all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and podclubhouse.com. Thanks for listening. This is Lauren. And this is Steph. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.